Welcome everybody to the Sailing Legends podcast with your host, Diane Allen. I am here with a very good friend of mine, Robbie Brown. Now, he is one of those people that when he's sailing against you, you're always delighted to learn something because he can sail in an amazing way. But the thing I love about Robbie the most is he's so connected to the water and the passion and he cares about the young people. He's a teacher too. He's not just selfish about it all. And there's, there's so many qualities about Robbie that when I asked him to come on the show, I'm like, I don't even know where to start because he's so much fun to talk to. So Robbie, thank you for taking time out of your busy day in your life to entertain me and entertain everybody with some sailing stories. So welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Diane. I was uh, especially pleased to participate um, given uh, your, the fact that you're hosting it. And I really uh, have had the occasion since we connected on this to think about how long we've known each other and some of the friends we have in common. And, and that's one of the big things about sailing that really is why I've stayed as engaged as I have over the course of a lifetime. It's really about people. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe more so than anything else. Uh, you know, I was sharing with some of my friends as I was thinking about, you know, what I'd like to talk about in a, in a setting like this. And, you know, the one thing that I, you, you can't talk too much about, about sailing is how many friends you make in the course of a lifetime. And I was talking to our good friend, Billy Isley, who some of you may know this week. And I'm like, you know, what I always say about sailing is you know you've got so many friends out there and and you haven't seen them in forever and you run into them and it's like you just saw them yesterday and uh it's just a really amazing community of people um i'll be honest there's some people that i've taken exception to over the years there may be a little bit of a debaucherous um reputation among some of the sailors but at the end of the day you know some of the best people i've ever known come from the sailing community the majority of my friends have, have come and, and stayed with me, you know, from the sailing community. And it's enriched my life in so many ways. I, I'd have a hard time really even putting it into words. But oh, uh, yeah, that's a you are, are, are a real big, you know, huge part of why I really love the sailing community. Oh, thank you. What tell us about your, your roots in sailing. When did you start sailing and how did you get introduced to the sport? Like, I always love to hear like how it all got started. Well, I tell you, I love to tell that story too. You know, I, um, my father was an airline pilot and, um, we moved to Miami when I was three. And so as far back as I can remember, my dad took an interest in sailing when we moved to Miami and, uh, he used to pile us on the boat and we'd go out sailing in the bay and, and I remember crawling up in the bow of the boat with my brother or my dad and my mom. I think he was renting the boat at the time. And, you know, just kind of the, the touristy but local thing to do as well. And um, so, I mean, that's literally about as far back as I can remember. I have memories of things like that. And then the next thing I remember is my dad starting to buy his own boats and becoming quite the accomplished sailor in his own right. And um, you know, with regard to that, I always said, and there was a lot of pilots in Miami, and it was a real hotbed for sailing. And I always said that pilots make good sailors and sailors make good pilots, which in my case, uh, I like to think proved true when I started flying when I was 17. I had quite the natural feel for it, having, you know, been been raised in a, in a sailboat. So 
what I like to talk about with my learning to sail and my experience with sailing is my dad started buying these um, offshore boats back in the day when Sorcy was in its heyday. Mm -hmm. And my dad started sailing Sorcy races and he sailed all sorts of races on the bay. My dad wrote short stories about it all before he died. And um, so I used to bug him to death to go sailing with him. And he, he, he didn't like having me along because I, you know, I was just a nuisance. I'm sure, you know, at that age, I was only like six or eight years old. And, uh, and so finally, when I turned eight, that was how old you had to be to sail Optimus dinghies. Or, or at the time, it was really, it was prams. It wasn't mm -hmm. even Optimus dinghies. And, and that'll segue into another story because, so I started sailing prams. And even at that age, I realized the reason my dad bought me a pram and put me in the Learn to Race program was to get me off his back. <laughs> So when I was eight years old, I was learning how to race and, and I've been, you know, commanding my own yacht effectively since I was eight years old. And, um, and I just loved it. Uh, Miami could not have been a nicer place to live. I, 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 I suffer currently with skin cancer wounds uh, from growing up in Miami on the flip side. And I like to bring that up. Everybody nowadays should understand the uh, importance of taking care of your skin because when we were growing up, we didn't. And uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a real textbook example of someone who got way too much sun when I was a kid. But that was because I grew up in Miami. I didn't wear a shirt all summer long. I've been teaching sailing, teaching people how to sail since I was 11. I've been teaching, um, you know, racing sailing since I was 13. And um, at any rate, my introduction to sailing was very much uh, my understanding and my impression that my dad was trying to get rid of me. And uh, he couldn't have done me a bigger favor than to introduce me to sailing because I, I just absolutely loved it. And uh, I, I remember, you know, my parents separated when I was probably in fifth grade and, and we didn't have a lot of money and, and my parents worked hard and everything. And I remember bugging my parents to death to take me to the sailing club. I mean, I wasn't one of these kids that you had to take to the club and you know, escort towards the boat and force him to go sailing. I did whatever I could to go sailing. I used to go down, I used to try to figure out how to get down there after school to practice. And, uh, and I just loved it. And, and I always have. And, um, at any rate, that, that's really where, where my, where my sailing started. And, and at a very young age, I had some great experiences. Like I literally, and I, and I have a, a very wealthy and, and, and big businessman client that I've worked with extensively over the years. And I told him on time and he flat out didn't believe me. I said, you know, I've been, I've been working since I was 11 years old. And he said, nobody's worked since they were 11. That's not legal. Well, that's not true because I've looked at my social security records and sure enough, it reports income from when I was 11 years old. I started working at the sailboat rentals and I made $8 a day. So, it was this sailboat rentals in Miami called Biscayne Sailboat Rentals. And it was a real fly-by-night place. I can tell you stuff that would make your hair raise. And uh, so by the time I was 11, though, I was teaching adults how to sail. Because in order to rent the boat, you had to know how to sail. So half of them didn't know the first thing about it when they got there. And they'd get there and they'd go to take their lesson. And the boss would say, here's your instructor. And I'm all of about you know, four foot, 10 inches tall and, and 11 years old. And they're like, well, okay, I suppose. But the great thing for me, I loved, you know, I got to go sailing if I got to do a lesson. 
But even better, it was very commonplace. I was getting $8 a day, and to teach someone to sail, I'd get a $5 tip. It was the greatest thing in the world. And uh, it really kind of kind of got me started on, on my love for sailing. And, um, and then I used to teach racing development with the Opties. You know, by the time I was 13, I was contributing at that level. I would teach summer camps and, you know, things like that. They would let us work at that young of an age. Because by the time I was 13, I had gone to a world championships in the Opti. And then getting back to my, my point about my experience growing up with Opties and Prams, you know, prams had all the control lines. There's very few guidelines and rules. The, the opties are very tightly controlled, kind of like a laser, if, if you're familiar with that. But, you know, nowadays there's like 20,000 is the number that they sail with or greater than that in, in, in the opties if, if you're a junior sailor. Well, I, my opti was number 24. We were... We were of the group of the first sequentially numbered opties. So when I go and I work with these young opti kids, you know, it's a it's a lifetime of experience, you know, that I bring to bear. And and circling back around to that, yeah, I, I am really, really finding a great value in, in giving back to the youth of the sport. I, you know, it's something that I, I get paid to do and, and God knows what a blessing it is to get paid to do something you love, but it's not like I get rich or anything else. The, the main thing for me is that I feel like I'm really giving back to the sport at this age and introducing some of those kids to the experiences that I've had. So what would you say is one of the primary lessons you enjoy teaching the kids uh, that have to do, has to do with racing? Uh, I think one of the things I like to teach the most is how to start a race. Uh, you know, especially for young Opti kids. And nowadays, these, these, these well, I'm going to say poor Opti kids are, are regularly starting on a hunter boat starting lines. Uh, and it's not unusual at all. And, and it's not an easy thing to learn to do. And I will say, I, I worked with some students for quite some time. And, and by the way, I wish I had a little more continuity with my, my students. I, I tend to come in and work a while. And, and then, and I'll go into this in a, in a little bit, maybe, if we get on the subject and have some time about how sometimes it's hard to really contribute what, what you want to contribute, the, the, the atmosphere and stuff. It's very challenging for people who are very altruistically motivated. I, I hate to say it, it's a little better um, situated for people who are money motivated, and that's not such a good thing. But, um, but yeah, I love teaching starting in particular because once you get off the starting line, it's easy to teach people how to race. But if you don't get off the starting line, it's very difficult to teach people how to race. So, yeah, as far as what I, I really enjoy teaching, it's, it's starting. And I tell you where it pays off in spades and you have to know how to start is in college sailing. And I've had the, the benefit of being a college coach along the way. I, I had a very extensive college career and I had the, the benefiting of amazing um, college program that I participated in at the Naval Academy way back when I like to say dinosaurs were still around. Um, uh, things have changed a bit since then but uh but it, it's it's all effectively the same so and uh teaching my college kids how to start was the night and day difference in in in, in their success i think so yes 
everything can be won or lost in a start. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you, you, I mean, sometimes it's hard to win a race at the start, but it's really easy to lose one, you know? Yes. So. Yes. That's totally true. Totally true. So you have such a, an amazing sailing whole lifetime of career, but I'm wondering if when you stand here today and you look back over all of the different adventures and, and times and races and boat deliveries and all of it, what are like the top two or three things that stand out to you as, wow, I am really, really glad I was there for that experience? Well, so I'd say, first of all, I think I was amazingly blessed to grow up in the group of kids that I did in South Florida. We had an amazing number of sailors go on to do great things. I grew up with Pete Melvin, who uh, designed the foiling catamaran that the, that the New England, or the, excuse me, the um, New Zealand team used. And he was the first guy in the world to have a catamaran on foils. They actually like hid for a while so nobody could, so nobody could see what they were doing. And, and um, you know, without naming too many other names, Morgan Reeser, for instance, was one of my, one of my contemporaries growing up. He's a, he's a medalist. Um, and I've been blessed to have been in company of people like that for, for quite, quite a, uh, a bit of my life. Uh, I also met a lot of really amazing people when I was in college, and, and I look at it the same way. The group of people that I came along with and the people that I was able to to work with and sail against were particularly noteworthy, and I consider myself blessed to have been in their company and made their acquaintance. And um, and those are the main things that I would, I would think of. Um, you know, my overall experience at the Naval Academy was amazing. And, and that was a particularly great period in my life. And, and you know, from there, I've, I've, I've worked in every aspect of the sport. And in many ways, they all have their own blessings. And um, I'd be hard-pressed to narrow it down too terribly much in terms of the things that I, I thought were pretty amazing about my experience in sailing. Oh, that's great. I, I love it because it's so relational, you know, not only the human relationships, but our relationship to the water, our relationship to wind, our relationship to our boats, and how it all flows together, you know, because it really is a team sport. And, and I'm kind of laughing in a way because um, once I was in a job interview, and I can't, I think it was right when I was in college, and, and the guy asked me if I'd ever participated in a team sport. And I said, yes, I race sailboats. He goes, no, like a real sport. <laughs> so I took him to school on um, sailing, being a team sport. At the time, we were sailing our PT-30 with an eight-person crew, so that would be a team sport. And he, he got a little lesson on that, and I still laugh about it because he didn't expect that answer to come from me, you know, and, and I, there's always those little moments that happen, you know, or like the full moon that rises over the Gulf when we're out on an ocean race that you just can't see it that way from land, you know, that we have the, the blessings of all these different experiences that, that I think make our experience unique, you know? Well, and again, I, I, I think the team aspect of it is, is a, is a greatly overlooked thing. And it's really no surprise to me that you have such an appreciation for it. But, um, you know, even as kids, you know, we were a team. And if we weren't as tight a knit group as we were, and we didn't operate the way we did, none of us would be as good as sailors as we were. I remember 
some of my friends would go travel Europe all summer and they do amazing things. I mean, some of my friends beat Amer current America's Cup skippers with straight first places in boats that they never sailed before. And then they come back at the end of the summer and they'd naturally be better than the rest of us who didn't have those same opportunities. But we were a tight-knit group. We were great friends. They would teach us what they learned. And by the end of the year, we were pushing them to be better sailors for the next summer when they left. So even when we were opti sailors, we were operating as a team. And, it, and it's that team cohesiveness that's been at the real core of my success, as well as the real uh, value in my experience with the sport. Um, in college, now granted, maybe we had a better coach than we gave him credit for because my experience in college is, you know, you're <laughs> Your, your students are pretty sure they already know everything. It doesn't matter what the credentials are. And we probably had a bit of that, you know, piss and vinegar ourselves when we were in college. So maybe we didn't give our coach as much credit. But what we did do was we worked together as a team and we taught each other everything we knew, which especially in college is a kind of a dicey thing to teach your kids because in college, you know, they're competing for a starting job and out of the, let's say 30, depending on your program, but let's just say 30 or 40 kids, only really four or five of them get to compete at the regattas. So it can be, a, you know, kind of a, a defensive mechanism not to teach the rest of the team and not to help them along. But if you don't, what I was able to, I think, you know, appeal to my team when I was in college and, and we had great results when I was at Eckerd. And I, and I still have mentoring relationships with some of those students and everything else. And, um, but I was able to help them understand that if they didn't bring up the level of the whole team, they would never have the degree of success that they did. And uh, it takes a certain amount of trust and understanding of how important it is to act as a team. You know, I used to tell them there's only one of me and there, and there's 30 of you and I can't teach all 30 of you, but, but if you go to a regatta and, and you come back and you teach it to the rest of the team, we can all improve. And if we all improve, we're going to meet with success. And yeah, so the team aspect and, you know, even the team aspects from a business standpoint were not lost on me. I used to get on boats and, you know, from a business standpoint, if you get on a boat and when you get off, they're better sailors, it makes your product look good. But I tell you, there's, there's not a lot of more rewarding things than to know that people look forward to you coming along because they feel like they'll be better sailors, you know, when, when, you, when you leave to sail with a, a different boat. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I used to, you know, for instance, I, I have some spirituality about how I think, and I think sailing's been part of that too. I think being one with nature and connected to to natural things the way that we are sailors water and wind and 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 storms and sunrises and sunsets I, it's 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 strengthened my my spiritual nature as well you know so oh yes there's to me there's nothing like sailing at night away from land where you, the Milky Way is there, the stars, like you can touch them and the sound of the water and the boat and everything. It's, it, there is something so connected spiritually about that to me that there's no words for it. It's, I, it, oh, I always look forward to night races. 
Yeah, and then that reminds me. There's 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 these experiences in sailing that when when you get to the dock and you look back on what you just did, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure that was the best idea. I remember delivering a J100 from Naples to Key West for Key West Race Week, and I had a helper who was pretty inexperienced with asymmetrical spinnakers, and we had a delivery spinnaker that didn't even fit the boat and. So you had to fly it like three or four feet off the, off the pole, off the, um, you know, pole on an ASIM so that it would cheat properly. Anyway, we sailed through the night that night. We left in the afternoon at about four o'clock and we got to the sea buoy, you know, by about three o'clock in the morning. We had an amazing trip down and, and I'm telling you, we hit 20 knots on that trip with just two of us in a J100 and, and you get down there and somehow you get the kite back in the boat and, and you know, you, you're at each other's throats because, you know, you don't want to get blown out of the channel in a client's boat. And <laughs> <laughs> you kind of get to the dock and it's the most amazing experience to do that through the night. And at the same time, you're asking yourself, I'm not sure that was, you know, really a great idea. <laughs> I might could have been a little more patient and, and not push a spinnaker so hard all the way down here, you know, but I mean, it's just what we do. And, and I wouldn't have traded the experience for surfing off on that wave and hitting 20 knots for anything in the world. And at the same time, if I had it to do over again, I'm not sure I would do it again, you know? So. <laughs> oh, that is so true. It is so yeah. true. There's times where you land and you go, okay, all righty then. But the thrill of it, like you will never forget that trip because oh. there's yeah, the client was really disappointed. I don't think he ever did more than about nine knots in the boat all week, you know. And uh, anyhow, it was pretty funny. Yeah, the fastest the boat went all week was in the delivery. <laughs> With the delivery sales, you know, go figure. So, so uh, how give give us a little bit of insight of your mindset regarding the teamwork on your boat like when because you've sailed and won the worlds and and you do a lot of team sailing where you're the one in charge of the boat and and you do it really well and so how do you operate that team the team within your own vessel uh so first off let me clarify i haven't won a world championships so i'd like to think that i haven't really had great opportunities to I, i've been a little limited to resources and haven't had the opportunities some other folks have we have won midwinters we won nationals we've done very well at worlds um but for the sake of keeping the record straight i haven't i i'm, I'm not a, a a world champion uh i know plenty of them and at the end of the day i feel like i have the respect of of, of plenty of world championship world champions but but, but it's a great question you ask about that because it, it has a lot to do with what I love to do. Uh, so first off, I've gotten to an age where I often tell people, I don't sail with people I don't like anymore. And, you know, there's just some people that come on your boat and rub you the wrong way. And when you're young, you think that's all kind of part of it and you got to put up with it. And I don't know, you know, we're all getting old. And, and as one of my friends says, cranky and at the same time, my grandmother used to say, you don't get old and cranky, you're cranky and you get old. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm very much about trying to sail with people I like and people I feel like are going to be friends when we're all, when we're all done. Uh, I don't like to do any sailing if I feel like, you know, there might be hard feelings created by any of it. And in the sailing that I've done, I've also worked primarily with people who put a high priority on getting better. 
You know, they're not there to win. They're there to get the satisfaction out of what they're doing, <clears throat> knowing that their time spent is allowing them to become better at what they do. And I put a real high value on that as a professional as well. I don't like working with the clients that, you know, just want to win and they feel like they're already as good as they need to be. There's plenty of place for that. There's a lot of really good professionals that help people win world championships and stuff, but it's really not my niche. I, I'd much rather work with the guy that's normally 60 out of 80 boats in the world. And through the course of our working together, you know, we, we finished 30th or 25th. And, you know, we all learn a ton in the process. That's really what appeals to me more than being that guy that the guy who's paying you is happy that you're there in case he does something wrong and he's looking for someone to blame, you know. So, you know, that whole atmosphere in the boat, whether it's as a professional or a skipper on my own program, for me, it's a huge, a huge emphasis on learning and improving in my own case as well. You know, I've had to do a lot of work-related things and maybe in the course of my experience in my lifetime in sailing and maybe not so many opportunities to compete in my own right as a result, but I've gone about it all in a way so as to try to learn as much as I can. I, I tell people I learn from clients. I mean, I've <clears throat> gotten to the dock before and said, okay, so now we're going to roll the sail. And they go, no, we got it. We have our own program. And they show me what they do, and I'm like, wow, that's the slickest thing I've ever seen. And now I teach my next client how to do that, you know. And, and there's a whole lot of that as a lifetime of that in the sport of sailing, and it's, and it's a really appealing part of it. And I often tell my kids, I'm like, you know, sailing's something that you can do in, until you die. I'm like, when I was growing up in Miami, my hero was the guy who killed over from a heart attack while he was barging at the weather end and a big boat start. And I'm like, I want to be that guy. You know, that's how I want to go. I want to go, you know, like, you know, making a, making, making myself a nuisance at a start, you know, when I'm 80 something years old and you can do it. And, and I'm living proof. I mean, we just had our best result in the world. And, and I want to get, I'm not even going to tell you how old I am. I'm just going to tell you, you know, I, I was class of 84 in college and you can do the math and we're still learning. We're still improving. And that's still really all about what we do. And, and it really lends to us enjoying it as a team. And that team has to, has to really take on that, that same attitude if you want to succeed. Oh, that's perfect. And I stand corrected. You didn't get the world championship. But what I wanted to say was that it's a world-class program that you run. And this is why, because of the learning strategy. I always wondered what it was because when I run into you at the regattas or I see your people that you sail with, there's always this feel that is very attractive in a cool way. And I never could put my finger on it of what was different. I knew it wasn't ego-based, like, oh, look at us thumping our chest. It wasn't all that. There was something about a level of humility and a level of connectedness. And, and so when you were just talking about the learning and getting better no matter what and always being in that mindset, it all kind of just all came together like, that's it. That's what I've been feeling all these years. And I highly respect that because you know, I'm a lifelong learner in a lot of things too. So now it's like, oh, now this all makes much more sense to me. <laughs> Thank well, you. you. You say that. I, it's one of the things I'm most proud of and I appreciate it. And I'll tell you a funny story. 
this happened to me recently. You know, I'm talking to a, I mean, one of my oldest and dearest friends uh, in my longest crew member relationships. And we get to talking one day and, and, and he says something that really raised the cockleburrs on, on, you know, on, on the back of my neck. He says, oh, you probably do this for the same reason I do. It really boosts your ego. And I, and I almost wanted to say to him, be careful because you might not get invited back on the boat. Uh, because I'm very much about that this shouldn't be an activity designed to boost your ego. It should be an activity designed to help you grow as a person and grow in your relationships. And, and you know, especially going back to kids and stuff, the stuff that it teaches kids and the stuff that I learned from growing up in the environment is just invaluable. It teaches kids to take, take responsibility for themselves. I mean, I have a lot of my kids have a hard time getting their parents there on time, you know, but it's, it's something you do. I used to bug my parents and we got to go, we got to go. I'm going to be late, you know? And, and so the values and the attributes that these kids are acquiring through participating in the sport goes well beyond the competitive side of it. You know, there's a million places for people in the sport of sailing in the course of a lifetime. It's not always the helmsman. You know, I, I've got some wonderful friends who would never want to drive, and, and they're highly valued team members in other roles on the boat, and there's a million things you can do, and there's so much you can learn, and, and just the friendships. And again, going back to my buddy Bill Isley, I talked to him quite a bit, and, and I was kind of confiding in him, my, my being a little reserved about doing this at all. I was a little taken aback by the suggestion somehow that I was a legend, but, but the legends are what we talk about and the things that live on once we're gone, which had to be called to my attention. But I, I'm talking to Bill and yeah, you know, um, you know, we're just reminiscing about how long he's known his friends and through my association with him, I've got to meet all of them, which by the way, one of the people we were catching up about once again was, was your brother. And, uh, you know, the ways we're all so connected after all these years is just really amazing, you know. Yes. yes, when you were telling the story about being young and, you know, 11 years old and teaching the people and all of that, and I'm looking at him going, my brother could say very similar things. He was this young little pipsqueak kid that was out teaching everybody and bugging my parents to sail, 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 sail. And, and he's amazing. He's amazing too. So... I think when when you bite onto it and you love it so much and you just keep going after it, great things happen and great relationships happen after all of these years. Like you said, we could not see each other for years and then run into each other and it's like we just saw each other yesterday. It's there's a there's a connection that transcends time and space. It's amazing. And you know, it goes back to my drinking days and, and I'm great friends with my, my friends who didn't quit drinking. I had to quit drinking when I was about twenty-eight. I I tell people I drank my life quota by the time I was 25 and I didn't realize it until I was 28. But I mean, and, and these things can happen, but even my, you know, party buddy friends are still some of my dearest friends after all these years. And, you know, they still enjoy their, their alcohol and I don't, and, it, and it's all good. And, and I wanted to, to tell one little story about that, um, that sailboat rental that was hiring 11 year old kids. Um, so, you know, they rent these boats and they're supposed to be back at the dock by let's say, you know, seven o'clock. So they don't get stuck in the bay overnight and stuff like that. So invariably there's people late. So they put you in a power boat 
there again and all of 11 years old to go find these people and tow them back in when the wind dies at the end of the day or they've been they've been run aground for six hours and you know so you're finally rescuing them and bringing them back in and and what the funny thing about the story is on um, it was like a it was like a 16 foot whaler a pretty nice little power boat and on the side of the boat in big red letters the name of the boat was idiot retriever so here's this 11-year-old kid coming to collect these people at the end of the day, and they're getting towed in by the boat on the side of the boat in big red letters that says, Idiot Retriever. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That story is it's the funniest thing in the world. And <laughs> Alan Bliss, and we used to have these shirts that said, Sailing is Bliss. <laughs> It was quite the cast of characters. Growing up in Coconut Grove, Miami in the 70s, you can only imagine the stuff that went on. I mean, you, you grew up real fast that way, you know. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, idiot retriever. That's a genius. <laughs> Especially with your little, your little 11-year-old self. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, I have that picture in my head. That makes, that'll make me laugh the rest of the day. That is awesome. So is there anything that you wanted to talk about today that I didn't ask you about as we're getting ready to close the show and um, make sure that there wasn't something that you talked to Bill about or something you were thinking about that you're like, Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to share that sailing story or that lesson. You know, I, I, I'm very careful not, not to complain or sound complaining, but there's something that, that I did want to say mm -hmm. um, based on my experience. And this goes in, in the whole course of my experience. Um, and I've come full circle in what I've done. I've worked with professionals. I've worked with sale making companies. You know, uh, I've tried my hand in the, in the you know, the, the non-sailing industry. I have a pretty good education. I didn't have too much trouble getting jobs. I had a lot more trouble sitting behind a desk on the that's thunder in the background by the way mm -hmm. sorry about that uh, I had a lot more trouble sitting behind a desk than I did getting jobs and so I've had a pretty broad course of experience with all this and, and I, I did want to kind of tell a story that means a lot to me mm -hmm. and I was reviewing this story with Billy because I was a little you know again I don't want to sound like I'm complaining but I, I want to make people aware of this. When, when I was growing up at a, at a national championships, which I won the last one I sailed in, and I think I was only 13 in the last one I sailed. And um, so um, there was only 50 of us. And, and I've always said, and I don't think there's any, any stretching the truth in this at all, of those 50 of us, we've engaged in the course of a lifetime of sailing activity the same number that graduate from about 350 kids now. So, you know, in the nationals now, there's more like 350 kids, but of all those kids, we're only engaging about the same number as we engaged out of 50. And something didn't seem right about that math when I started looking into working with younger and younger people. And again, I work with the very youngest, you know, green fleeters, you know, and opties. And I, I, my, my, my favorite group to work with is high schoolers. Mm -hmm. And again, that goes back to the fact I've worked with college, high school, you know, younger than high school. 
And, you know, younger than high school, the problem is they're still pretty attached to their parents. And some of the stuff you've got to teach them to think independent of their parents, and it can be a challenge. Um, college kids, again, they are already sure they know everything, so they're their own challenge. And high school kids are a wonderful group to work with because they're, they're starting to want to think on their own and learn how to do that. And, and it gives you opportunities to really develop some meaningful relationships, help give them some co some guidance about what colleges to go to and, and all sorts of stuff. But, mm -hmm. but my point is this, it's just that when I got engaged with junior coaching kind of towards the end of my career, I wanted to be the guy who taught the kids how to love sailing uh, more importantly than teaching them how to win world championships. And I, I honestly think the single strongest ingredient to help someone win a world championships, on the other hand, is to teach them how to love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, I've found some very difficult um, relationships trying to work with these parents who run these junior programs I find there's parents who aren't real knowledgeable about what's best for the kids and I have a hard time inserting myself to the extent that I have the luxury to move on and do something else when I feel like I can't give the kids what they need and I think one of the problems with juniors uh, these days from my observations of being at this for a number of years now is that too many of these coaches are just looking for the next bigger paying job. And they're kind of stepping on the kids to get there instead of putting the kids first and ensuring they're doing the right thing by the kids. For instance, when I was at Eckerd College, I had a vice president observe to me on an exit interview. He says, you know, you put your kids' best interests ahead of your job security. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, I do. Because I got other things I can do than to see these kids not get what they're supposed to get and what they really need. You know, I've got other options than spin my wheels with problems like that. And, and I don't want to complain, but I think it's a very important thing to consider. Because at the end of the day, we should be engaging these kids for a lifetime of wonderful experiences like Diane and I have had. And we should be looking at why are we not engaging more kids than we are. And I think that's a really important question and something that I, I could talk about a lot more. Um, my goal is to make sure they're having more fun than when I came in to work with them. And if they are, I promise you their results are reflecting it. Yeah, it's, it's so true. I, I'm glad you brought that point up. Uh, it, it's extremely important. And that's part of the reason why this podcast even exists is my brother and I talking about the legacy and the lessons and, and the stories and, and the meaning that sailing and our relationships really carry. And we, it's time to, we really pay attention to engaging our youth because what we do learn and the value it serves in all of our life, not just on the water. And so I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, when I bring up these parent relationships, you know, you, you get put in a position where you have to, you know, kind of demonstrate to children that their parents aren't right, which, again, sometimes it's a lot easier in that high school group. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so they're looking for reasons to disagree with their parents, and uh, 
And, you know, there's some things you have to teach the kids to think different than their parents if they really want to succeed in the sport of sailing. And again, I think we want to be very careful not to run anyone off from the sport. And I think sometimes if people don't, don't give it any more thought than they do, they don't behave in a way that, want, that encourages people to keep coming back, you know, so much as they, as they should, you know, so... Right. I think it's important to be ambassadors for the sport and, and keeping people engaged on whatever level and whatever their comfort is, because there's so much to be gained and so much we can learn and experience together, no matter what the, what the focus is, whether we're out racing or we're cruising or the Thursday nights at Davis Island or things like that, where people can really experience something and have a connection that maybe they've never had at any other time in their life. We've been lucky to have it our whole lives. Um, exactly. But some people just, you know, they, they wander up and, you know, they're adults and their first exposure to what this is all about is you and I and our, our contemporaries who are saying, come join us, come with us. And, and exposing people to something that could change their life forever. And we're the, the bridge. And so I think it's important that we pay attention to that, whether they're an adult or a child or a teenager or whatever age they are. Absolutely. It yeah. really is a real focus in, in my, my age and stage in my career. And as I get older, I, I, I joke that I want to sail as long as my body will put up with it. And when my body won't, I still want to be engaged with the sport and find other ways that I can contribute. You know, even if it, you know, ideally, for instance, you know, running race committee or even just volunteering to run regattas and stuff like that. I, I see myself being engaged with this once again, you know, and, and until I can, or, or ideally and, until I'm six feet under, you know, I, I really am looking forward to being engaged right up until the very end. And, and I, I hope that my health will support it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, I look around too. my, both of my parents were engaged in sailing until the end and, um, and that their first date was sailing. And that was how my dad took my mom sailing. And that was the end of that <laughs> or the beginning, I guess we could say. And, and so they sailed until the end as well. So I think it's so important. And there's so many, so many parts of the sport to be involved in, no matter where we are or, or what our ability is at the time. It just matters that we say yes to the opportunities, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Robbie, I want to thank you so much for taking time on this afternoon to, to be interviewed by me by whatever cool questions I come up with. And I love talking to you about sailing because I think we have a similar kindred spirit for the passion of it and like salt water runs in our veins. And, and it's so generous of you to, to share your wisdom and share your enthusiasm and your understanding with all of the listeners where this podcast is, is new and it's already in 21 countries. And so people are hearing the message of the value and the importance of the legacy, the lore, the lessons, the connection that sailing brings. And thank you for being a really, really big part of it with me. I appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you asking me. I'm flattered and, and I've uh, very much enjoyed it. Thank you uh, very much. Oh, you're so welcome. So remember everybody, sailing is an amazing sport. And so may you have fair winds and following seas in all that you do. Remember to experience life at its fullest and take some of the inspiration from this show and use it in your life so that when you look back on your life, you say, well done. Until the next episode of Sailing Legends podcast, this is Diane Allen, your host saying be well.